Hey there, everybody, and you are listening to Nerd Alert. Girls. Niñas. <laughs> Niñas. Yes. yes. Mujeres. Sí. All right, everyone. Now, before we get started, I want to take a moment to say that as residents of Los Angeles County, we acknowledge our presence, including virtual presence, on the traditional, ancestral, and unceded territory of indigenous people who are variously referred to as the Gabrielino Tungva people in Keech Nation. And I am one of your hostesses, Jen with a G. How's it going, everybody? Hello, everybody. I am your other host, Bridget, pronounced she hers. And yeah, I think we should go by Nerd Alert Ninas today. I think that's fitting for <laughs> this See? particular episode. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we are here, your Latina co hosts for this amazing Nerd Alert Ninas episode, special edition for Latinx Hispanic Heritage Month. Um, yes. I'm very excited to be doing this, actually. <laughs> I know, right? We finally got it. I know we've been taking a break for a while, folks, but, well, we kind of needed the break, and also we're kind of just ramping up for all the big stuff that's going to be shoved in our faces these next few months. Seriously, where do we start? Where do we begin? Well, all right, so today, well, we're here to talk about a bunch of characters, I feel like, in terms of our our planning, Um, but I, I think it's best if you kick it off, Jen. Yeah, all right. So Latinx Heritage Month has been awesome where I work, folks. I've been really like just stepping it up. Hey, check out these characters. Check out these people who have made such a difference in our lives. Yes, been immersing myself in the culture. And I'm looking to the MCU and was a little disappointed to see what we got. We don't have much. Even though we have America Chavez now, you know, a shout out to our girl, uh, Sochil Gomez, but... Other than her and uh, Luis from the Ant-Man trilogy, like, we don't have much to work with. And I'm looking to see if there's any Hispanic heroes that maybe aren't a part of the MCU. And we've got small pickings, unfortunately. Very little to go off on, which was disappointing. But am I surprised? Not really. But here's a funny thing. I'm looking at the Marvel shows that were originally on Netflix, you know, like uh, Daredevil and Jessica Jones. And they surprisingly have more Hispanic characters than the MCU movies, like more uh, prominent characters. And I'm going to go over them and their impact on the MCU so far, especially since now we have the uh, Netflix shows kind of merging into the MCU, as uh, we can see with um, Charlie Cox as Matt Murdock officially made his debut in She-Hulk. Shout out to our boy. But uh, anyways, so. I want to start off with uh, Claire Temple, played by the fabulous Rosario Dawson. We love her so much. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, she made her debut as Claire Temple in the first season of Daredevil, where she fished out Daredevil out of a garbage after he was beaten pretty badly and sort of became like this regular character ever since. She shows up in Jessica Jones, in Luke Cage, and in Iron Fist. And in the Defenders, just sort of intertwined in all these shows as like this woman who finds herself in these situations and doesn't back down, helps the superheroes where like they're where she's needed, patches them up, and is sort of the voice of reason when they get especially stubborn, you know. Uh Luke, Danny Rand, looking at you. But anyway, so Claire Temple is known to be a um Afro-Hispanic character. We know that her mother is Hispanic, and even though she doesn't mention uh, her father very much, we assume that he's Black. So she speaks a lot of Spanish, very bilingual, uh, translates a bunch of uh, characters when they're talking to our main heroes. Not that Matt Murdock really needs help because apparently he's bilingual too. But anyways, so we've got that going on, and we also realize that she's kind of the voice for the minorities in these shows. And that's something I kind of wanted to bring up too, that in these Netflix shows, uh, specifically in uh, Daredevil and uh, Luke Cage, we see a lot of people in distress. And like, it's sort of like the little people, the minority groups the of the Hispanic and uh, the black communities, where you've got villains like the Kingpin, like trying to run them out of town or Cottonmouth, who's taking advantage of, these communities and you got people like uh, Claire Temple who's doing 
her best to like combat it, even though they unfortunately don't have the resources for it. But what I like about these shows is that you have people like Daredevil and Luke Cage and Jessica Jones who are standing up for the little guys, making sure that no one is forcibly evicted from their homes. I mean, that was like a main plot point in the first uh, season of Daredevil, where uh, Matt Murdock and Foggy Nelson are representing a woman named Elena who's being forcibly evicted. And they have to translate her often because she's a a native Spanish speaker. But um, anyways... So we've got uh, Claire, who's like a prominent figure in these shows. And we find out that Rosario Dawson herself is uh, Afro-Cuban. So she just literally needed no help in pursuing this Hispanic aspect of her character. Really awesome. I don't know if they'll bring her back because we're only confirmed that uh, Charlie Cox and Christian Witter are coming back for sure. But if we get Rosario back, man, that'd be awesome. Yeah, it's hard to say with her being so busy with, like, Ahsoka and, like, Star Wars things at this point. Who knows? Who knows? She's a big name, and, like, we were lucky that she graced the Marvel Universe with her fabulous presence. But I digress. Uh, we got a couple of other characters here that have haven't made an impact on the Marvel shows. Like, there's this one villain in the Luke Cage series. His name is uh, Shades. His real name is, let me see here, uh, Hernan Alvarez. And in the comic series, he's actually the father of Victor Alvarez, who's a hero named Power Man, you know, takes after Luke Cage in the comics. And Shades is this villain played by actor Theo Rossi, you know, shout out for those of you who've watched uh, Sons of Anarchy. He's this gangster who's actually really calm, calculated, can like manipulate things to his advantage and it's actually pretty cool to see him how he easily manipulates his fellow villains and uh, Luke Cage as a hero and to know that he has a son that's eventually going to become the next power man could open up the door for possibility for more uh, heroes in the MCU after all uh, Victor Alvarez as power man is one of the few Hispanic characters that we get, you know, in the MCU, uh, well the Marvel comics I should say. So, we might be able to get him especially since um Shades the character hasn't died yet. You know, he's currently in jail, spoiler alert. But hopefully now that we're starting to sort of get the Netflix series into the mainstream MCU, We'll get uh, Power Man, just so we can have a little more diversity here, folks. And one last uh, quick character who made an impact in the Marvel uh, shows. We've got this guy named Bakudo. This was a guy that was part of this shady organization known as The Hand. Seriously, these, these guys are, like, the worst. They made an appearance in... All the Netflix shows, you know, from Daredevil to Jessica Jones to Luke Cage, and even Iron Fist, Iron Fist, that's like the main villain there. These people are like a secret ninja organization that are slowly taking over New York and different parts of the world through like, like these very aggressive business tactics or just outright gangbanging. And so Bakudo is one of the main leaders of The Hand. And he actually trained one of our uh, main characters, Colleen Wing, and kind of brainwashed her and all these other kids into thinking that their cause is the right one. And this guy, he's played by Ramon Rodriguez, and he's just a force to be reckoned with. He made Colleen question everything she's ever learned, and even made uh, Danny Rand, the Iron Fist, question uh, what he's been up to as the Iron Fist. Now, we have yet to see the hand in any of the MCU or even in the show, but knowing this organization is such a prominent figure in the comics. I mean, these, these are just people who will not go away. Like I think like a Hydra, you know, they just, you get rid of one, you get rid of that one villain. No, no, no. They're going to keep coming back. They're just, they're forced to be reckoned with. And even though these Netflix shows all ended pretty abruptly, like, none, none of their uh, storylines with the hand, including Bakudo's, were resolved. Like, at all. And yes, of course, it's partially because the shows themselves were never really resolved. They were canceled. 
But now that we have uh, Daredevil coming back and knowing that the hand is part of his uh, list of villains here, I have a strong suspicion that we're going to get maybe Bakudo back. So watch out for him. Watch out for Shades. And I really, really hope they bring back Claire uh, Rosario. You know, that, that would be great. Not only just to have like some awesome characters, but to have some diversity back because truly, how is it that these shows that people don't pay as much attention to as the movies have more diversity than these movies themselves? I, I don't get it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a mystery. <laughs> yeah, but uh, that's that's the unfairness of life sometimes, folks. So, petition for the Hispanic characters. Let's go. But I want to point out something real quick. For those of you who have seen the trailer for Wakanda Forever, we now have villain Namor, the submariner, uh, officially listed as our villain of Wakanda Forever. And Namor himself is played by Tanuk Huerta. I don't know this guy very well, but the fact that we have a Hispanic character as our villain is pretty promising. So I'm, I'm pretty pleased to note that. Yeah, we'll ha we'll have more food for thought later when uh, we actually see the movie, or if we do a trailer reaction. I don't know. Will we have time? That's the question. <laughs> That's the real question here, folks. That's the real. I know you're dying to know what we're thinking. It for all Marvel things. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. yeah, I I just wanted to point out all these Hispanic characters that have made such an impact in the in the show, and hopefully will make an impact in the larger MCU as a whole now that we're combining things. And also I just had to point out that we have more Hispanic characters there. Plus another random thing. I'm not as familiar with like the X-Men series, but majority of Marvel superheroes that are Hispanic come from the X-Men. So that's uh, something I got to get into here. Yeah, that's very true. And I mean, especially when you think about the X-Men, like as like, I mean, there's a lot of conversation about them, like, representing like being excluded for like you know insert marginalized identity here <laughs> you know yeah, um, yeah yeah interesting all right well bridget i have let out all my gushing and venting here what do you got to say in honor of latinx heritage month oh so many things okay so i mean <laughs> <laughs> So, so in preparation for this episode, um, I got a book called Latinx Superheroes in Mainstream Comics by Frederick Luis Aldama. Uh, this was actually recommended to by a coworker of mine, or like not even recommended. I, he just like saw it somewhere, and he's like, "Hey, this seems like something you'd be into." And I'm like, "Yeah, actually," <laughs> but it took a year. <laughs> It took like a year for me to actually buy and read it, and it was for this episode specifically. <laughs> um, so it's a little bit more academic-y than I had expected it to be, I guess, because, like, you know, it's, like, about comics. I just didn't really think about it being, like, a super highbrow, like, kind of language, um, and what I mean by that is, like, like, it's, like, it's written by, oh, gosh, uh, so Frederick Luis Aldama is the Arts and Humanities Distinguished Professor of English um, and a University Distinguished Scholar at The Ohio State University, so, like, he's got some academic credits, right? Um, yeah, which is cool. And I love that it's like talking about like, you know, the representation of Latino characters and like elevating comics to like the academic sphere. At the same time, like, um, like having read the whole book, I, I've just been like, you know, I think sometimes you leaned a little bit too hard into the academic stuff where it starts to feel inaccessible. Like, like he, like Aldama uses a lot of like, like very, like, I don't know, just very, academic -y words and I, I can't think of like a more academic way to say that um <laughs> right now <laughs> but like like he talks about like the like basically he's talking a lot and broadly of the representation of latinos in not only comics even though that's the title of the book um but also like in terms of television like animation the movies you know oh, miniseries okay. and things like that like it's a very multimedia look yeah um like yeah, first, fascinating like, yeah the, so like it is very fascinating. Sometimes, though, he just, like, goes, like, too high level. Like, like he talks about, like, the way you shape characters through the word... He uses the word geometrizing a lot. And I'm like... What? <laughs> okay. And I'm like, okay, through context clues, I can figure that means, like, the way that you create a story, the way you shape a character, 
right? Like geometry, like you use, you're using shapes, you're using different elements to build something, right? But like he uses yeah. the word like just way too much. Like I feel like he's just making, <laughs> so I'm like ranting about this book a little bit. It's really good, but like I'll, I'm also going to just take a minute to rant about it because it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> because it's just, it felt like too much. Like I, I feel like, especially yeah. with like a book that's about like, opening up the doors into like the archives of Latino characters and, you know, creators and all that stuff. Like, it just seems a little weird to me to use like such like highbrow language. Um, I'm not saying like that you don't use it at all, but sometimes it felt a little bit excessive to me. Um, So I'm hoping in talking about my perspective on this book and pulling out what really interested me, um, it can hopefully <laughs> um, kind of break it down a little bit, I feel like, for, like, the layman, if that makes sense. Um, no, no, I get it. Make it easier to digest and make it less intimidating to go into. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so so the big perspective um, that Aldama takes is how Latino characters are, are constructed, right? Um, and it, he talks a lot about, like, the will to style, which I basically, like, from my understanding, means like a willingness to really authentically represent, you know, Latinidad um, in a multifaceted way that's like not just like plugging in stereotypes, right? And like dives into like complexity of characters in terms of how they think, why they do the things they do, you know, what their background is, you know, who their families are, what are their values, right? Like really just like having more 3D three char- D characters. Um, and I, I don't mean like in terms of drawing, right? I mean, in terms of like, like more layers, I guess. Basically, think, yeah. About Shrek, like the many layers, all the layers. Like, the <laughs> yes. <laughs> so like basically, right? Aldama is talking about making Latino characters onions with many layers. <laughs> and like the will to style in terms of, you know, a an author or a writer, or an artist, or both, like, their willingness to style and shape characters, Latino characters specifically, in a really complex, nuanced, and interesting way, basically, right? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I get you. Yeah. So, and this, so he talks about this in, in several different contexts, um, you know, and if you want to get a little bit depressed, um, <laughs> it's a great <laughs> way to get depressed in terms of when he talks about, like, the dearth of representation of Latinos, or even when they are, it's like, you know... <laughs> it's like plugging into stereotypes, right? Or they're like sidelined characters or like they're in the background, like, ooh, we're in Mexico. Look at all these gangbangers. It's like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. You know, or like, I mean, in, in terms of talking about, like, for instance, Thor, um, you know, Aldama talks about like this uh, willful erasure of Latinos. British director Kenneth Branagh sliced out the only sequence of the film that included Latinos, and this in a film where the action takes place largely in a contemporary town called Puente Antigua, Antigua in New Mexico. Most would know that New Mexico is majority Latino. In any recreation, the building blocks of the social landscape a director like Branagh would be using would be Latino. <laughs> and oh my yet, gosh. You know, and yet, like, it's cut off, right? Like, you don't really yeah. see any Latinos, right? And it's like... It reminds me actually a lot about like like conversations around like the friends, right? Where like New York has like plenty of like people of color who live there and yet they're nowhere to be seen in the show itself, right? And so it's like what is the geomet the not the geomet uh, the what is the geography, what is the demographic of, of where you are, right? Where a film is located and we when you like have in re- the real world Latinos there and yet they're not there in the movie, it's like yeah willful erasure is the way he puts it or he talks about too about the missed opportunity in terms of like captain america with like the howling commandos like not you know in terms of like not being able to have or not 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 you know not being able to not choosing to have like latino characters you know featured there you know for instance and it's like yeah it is a mixed race group but yet you don't really you don't see any latinos there um yeah commandos right and so so there's just like he talks a lot about missed opportunities right it's like you could have chosen this latino character you could have you know incorporated you know latinos here but you didn't <laughs> you know like that's basically that that's a choice right um but you know he also talks a lot about like when they when latinos do show up right and like how you know sometimes that's goofed up <laughs> basically oh so you know for instance 
you know, being, like, hypersexualized, especially for, like, Latina characters, right? Or criminalized, uh, or, you know, being even, like, recast in terms of, like, if they're Latino in the comics and yet the actor playing them is white, or even just, like, another person of color but is not, who is not Latinx, right? So that, Mm -hmm. there's, like, plenty of examples of that. Or, you know, the buffoon, right? You think of um, Louise, right, from from Ant-Man right and like Louise being like a petty theft and everything and he picks up uh, Scott Lang from you know in his beat up van how his girlfriend left him his dad got deported his mom died and all that stuff um and Eldama does point out like that you know um there is one like small way that they try to like pull him out like the you know stereotype in terms of him having a distinguished taste and high art um, quote, you know me, I'm more of a neo-cubist kind of guy, but there's this one Rothko that was sublime, <laughs> which is great, you know, it's like, it's subtle, but it's like, there, okay, some attempt there, but, you know, we don't really get a lot of Louis, right? He's famous for, like, the way he recaps um, events, let's say, yeah, right? Um, but I, I think a lot about that, that bit of dialogue, especially about the my dad got deported, like, it's just like, you know, the way that, like, Latinoness is centered around immigrant immigration and, and like in a lot of a lot of cases yeah it is and it's a big aspect of you know Latino communities right but I think of like say my own family and I'm like yeah we've been here for generations <laughs> like you know right? it's like yeah it's just like no there's never been a, a concern in my family about deportation and there is a certain amount of privilege with that for sure but I'm just saying like when that's the only thing that's like represented or talked about in terms of latino characters or families i'm just like yeah it just it just kind of reinforces for me that like we're always like quote foreign right that we're always not yeah. from here you know and it's like well okay you know some of us are immigrants but some of us have been here longer than you have <laughs> you know what basically, i mean basically yes so um so the, it's like subtle subtle things like that and i'm just like yeah i i'm with you Aldama, you know and so yeah but in terms of you know like other uh, you know intentional constructions of characters you know he talks a lot about you know what how they're drawn how characters are drawn right like even latino characters who are drawn with like quote anglo features you know or like they're super pale right and it's like yeah there are um you know latinos who look like that right who are more like wero light skin um, but it's like when they're drawn like that all the time, it's a pattern, right? That is basically, not good, yeah, right. That is very reductive. That just limits, you know, a certain kind of look for Latinos. It's like, oh no, we gotta anglicize them, right? We gotta make them look white or look as white as possible. Um, so yeah, so there is definitely like you know, you have to think about the intention in terms of like how you're drawing or coloring characters, and that does make a difference, right? It's not just the dialogue or the name, right? Um, so, you know, he talks about different artists um, in terms of how they work on, you know, different characters, right? So, like, he talks about um, Alvaro Rio and Humberto Ramos. Ramos, my dude, um, quote, working on White Tiger not only create all that goes into the visuals of the story world, but they also keep centrally in mind all the continuity details that make the visual characterization of the new White Tiger coherently in character so that we invest our thought and emotion in the story. Uh, or when Javier Rodriguez colors Young Avengers, he makes certain interpretations of the ink drawings to decide not only which colors they'll use to identify Latino characters, but also which colors, light or dark, use to use to intensify mood. The choice of shape and size of letters by someone like uh, Martha Garcia alerts us to how we're supposed to emotionally experience Sam Alexander's thoughts and dialogue as the Latino new Nova. Right, so so there's a lot of different elements of a comic book page that you can think about in terms of how a character and a story is built, right? In terms yeah. of like the bubbles and the text bubbles, even how the text appears, how they're drawn, what color they're drawn in. You know, it's a lot of like cool, interesting things to really think about and consider as like you're reading comics with Latino characters, right? Yeah. So I just found that super interesting in terms of the way he talked about that. Um, he also talked about, a lot about like names, right? Names being a distinguishing factor for building Latino characters, and sometimes that being the only indicator that some a character is Latino. Oh my and, gosh! <laughs> yeah, and I think about that a lot too, especially like with my name, right? Like my last name is like very distinctly, um, you know, Latino, right? Uh-huh. And it makes it clear, even if like you know, 
I'm not exactly like light skin, but more like an olive skin. And so sometimes I think if it wasn't for that, I'd be a little bit racially ambiguous to people. And, you know, it also comes from the fact that like my, as my mom says, I talk like a white person, whatever that's supposed to mean. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so there's just a lot to that. Right. And even those in, in that little thing that she says, you know, about like the way that they speak. Right. And like yeah. how I feel like my name is a tie to to my heritage in a way that like is is there is visual is visceral it's like I can point to it yes there we go <laughs> I am yeah. Latina there it is right there there's the there's the proof right um, exactly yeah and so you know he's talking about that in terms of like say um you know Miles Morales is a character right um so I'll, I'll quote him here also important names can be used to create tensions between a given superhero's identities there's visible brown Miles Morales as a public civilian and there's Miles Morales as masked and costumed, parenthetical, non-ethnic Spider-Man. Bendis cr- uh, creates a certain tension. Oh, Bendis is Brian Michael Bendis, uh, Miles Morales' creator, for those of you who don't know. Creates a certain tension in the comic based on a duality constructed by the interplay of the visuals, phenotype, with the textual name. Brown Morales versus non-ethic, non-ethnic Spidey, right? So, like, Bra- Morales is, like, visually... Like, he's brown, right? But Spider-Man is, like, non-ethnic because he's wearing the mask. Yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, so again, going back to Aldama, we see the same for most Latino superheroes who mask their Latinidad, playing to the convention in superhero comics, opening up the character for greater reader identification. As Stan Lee sums up, nearly every reader could imagine himself beneath that mask. Age and background and ethnicity didn't matter, which I, I hear a lot oh. about, particularly with, like, with Spider-Man, even, like, with Peter Parker's Spider-Man, right? Because he's wearing a mask, like, there is more of, like, fans talking about, like, them imagining themselves in the mask because they can, right? Like, you don't see the yeah. face. It's, like, could be anyone under there, right? And there's even, like, the mystery, I think about the mystery of, like, who Miles Morales is uh, when he was first introduced, right? You didn't know right away when he was first, like, oh, there's a new Spider-Man, you know? You don't see his face. Um, like, I went to the Spider-Man exhibit in the San Diego Comic-Con Museum, right? And there was, like, a version of, like, the front cover of his first introduction where his face is hidden. Um, and, like, the Spider-Man title is, like, over his face, right? And then later, when his identity was revealed, you, you saw his actual face, and you see it's, like, a brown boy, right? But, like, there's, like, just that interesting, like, tension, right? Of, like, his identity um, inside the mask, outside the mask. And, like, I know I've talked about, like, this a lot with Miles, and <laughs> so I don't want to, like, repeat myself, but, you know, I just find that super interesting in terms of, like, I don't, he, him talking about, like, I don't want to be, like, the, you know, um, the brown Spider-Man. I just want to be Spider-Man, right? And yeah. There's just, like, a lot to that that I think is is really interesting. Um, so, so yeah. Um, and, like, you know, other things that, like, Aldama talks about, too, is, like, you know, how, like, whether or how much, you know, they speak Spanish, right? And, like, always, like, whenever it's, like, translated from Spanish, you see those little brackets, like, this was, a, this was translated from a foreign language, right? Which uh-huh. I, find, I always find really interesting and, in, like, in terms of, like, distinguishing something and translating stuff and, like, why you translate, where you translate, and how you indicate that something is translated, you know, like, and why is that important, Right. Yeah. Um, so, like, the play with, like, language in terms of, of Spanish and English is also really interesting and just, like, you know, in terms of, like, how, like, a certain character's Latino-ness manifests or, you know, shows up in, in the way they speak, right? Or if they're using, like, broken English, so to speak, right? And, like, that, that oh annoying thing when it's, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, there's, like, there's that, right? And that could potentially, I mean, not always, like, you know, there are Latinos who speak you know, um, sort of there who are still like learning English or they, they're heavily accented and that's fine, you know, but when that's the only representation, right, of, of the way that Latino characters speak, it becomes a problem. <laughs> so basically, yeah, exactly. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, but the most interesting thing that I think that um, Aldama talks about with, you know, Latino heroes specifically is like the way that they kind of have to, um, build their own identities they kind of have to figure it out they're like nothing's handed to them in terms of like their powers um or in terms of their success as as superheroes so like you know um 
I'll, I'll quote, I'll just quote him directly here. The verbal elements in mainstream comics then have helped create Latinos as self-made superheroes who tend to take justice into their own hands to help the community. These superheroes tend also to work within collectives, whether with the blessing of the community or alongside other superheroes like the Suicide Squad or X-Men. This is to say the verbal elements allow the creators to make Latinos who arguably might appeal more to Latino readers who share similar histories and experiences, who have not been born with super superpowers, silver spoons, or privilege, but have had to build themselves into superheroes who largely give back and who mostly fight for the community and within communities. Good writing along with dynamic visuals can convey Latino superheroes who build their intelligence and strength through experience and work, not as genetically preordained beings. So that's just super interesting. <laughs> yeah, no you know? kidding. Yeah, because it's like you think of like of like having to work for it, right? And like how that's that is so true. I think for a lot of us as you know, Latinas, Latinos, Latinx people, you know, who just like had to fight, you know, work twice as hard to get half as far, right? That kind of cliche saying, but it's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? But and I love that so much too because you know it's like a it harkens back to like you know Hispanic people's values for like family and community too and like you know, remembering where you came from and helping those around you in that sense is just I love that you know and I think that is an important aspect of you know Latino identity right and so so anyway um, this is all like super high level <laughs> kind of like broader <laughs> analysis from Aldama, like, talking about the Latinos, but, like, I thought it was an interesting, like, kind of lens to to give to think about, like, how I consume Latino characters. I don't know, it's just, like, a, it's a cool thing, I think, to carry with me, um, you know, in terms of seeing how he unpacks these characters and how I can unpack these characters and, like, really critically think about, like, well, is this, like, quote, good representation? What does that mean, you know? And, you know, how does it reflect, like, how Latinos are different and that we're not, like, a monolith, not a singular group with all these same characteristics or, you know, experiences, right? So. Yeah. Anyway, I, I rambled a little bit, so sorry if I got a little bit academic here. <laughs> oh, um, no. We'll take it. It was awesome and very fascinating. Give okay. us a lot of food for thought. No, it's just so much food for thought. Um, and... You know, one other thing, too, that I, I want to mention that Aldama talks about is, like, um, in terms of, like, how a, a Latino character is constructed in terms of, like, translating to, like, the screen. Um, like, for instance, in Miles Morales um, in Ultimate Spider-Man being voiced by, what's his name, Danny Glover, um, who is African-American, right, but is not Latino, you know, and how that there's an erasure of Miles' Latino-ness there, right? Or even in, like, the way that he's drawn in the show, like, you know, you just, you know, just from looking at it, you don't immediately think, oh, yeah, also Hispanic, right? And yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, casting is, like, really important. Even for a voice actor you don't see, like, it makes a difference in terms of, like, how an actor chooses to voice a character, you know? Um, in terms of, like, accent or tone or just, like, emotion and connection to the character. I think it does matter who, who you choose to, like, play a character, even if it's a just like quote just a voice actor who you don't see right um yeah like it still really it still really does matter and like i don't know it's just like oh i didn't think about it like that way but yeah <laughs> it, it really does you might not see it but like you can hear it if you if you really listen carefully enough right um yeah and that's like the tension i feel like with miles in particular too because yeah you want to like acknowledge the multiple racial identities and cultural identities that he has right but there are plenty of latino voice actors out there i'm just saying latino actors in general out there they exist they're there right exactly um, yeah <laughs> so and no hate to danny glover or anything like that um but you know it's just like you you know when you have a character like that it's it is important to like not leave one to the side one aspect to the side you know so yeah um and like something else cool that like Aldama talked about is the is like the reader as like a co-creator or a viewer as a co-creator uh kind of reminded me a lot about like you know basically I felt like he was talking about fandom you know and the creation of like fan fiction or like even just like you know your own readerly imagination right and being able to connect with a character whether they are you know whether you're a Latino or not <laughs> You know, yeah. um, 
like, okay, so quoting him here, when Brian, Brian Michael Bendis, writer, and Sarah Patelli, artist, chose to recreate Spider-Man as the Puerto Rican black Miles Morales, they bring into it a willfulness, writing, visuals, and whatever research might be required that engages fully our co-creative responses as Latino and African-American readers. They invite us to fully co-create ourselves as Spider-Man. However, it also invites non-Latinos and non-African-American readers to co-create themselves as a teen, male, Latino Spider-Man. My 10-year-old daughter, Karina, identifies as Mexicana, yet she can and does delight in imagining herself as a mixed-race, Puerto Rican, and African-American teen wall, wall crawler and web spinner. Such a comic does establish storylines and a fixative character. What's written and drawn on the page today will be the same tomorrow. That direct her gap-filling capacities, but where she goes in her gap-filling, her imagination is not predetermined. Through the cognitive processes involved in co-creation, Karina can and does go beyond the comic book story, world design, and delineation. So that's a lot of academic words, but basically, right, we we imagine ourselves in, in Spider-Man shoes. We create our own perceptions of the character and take it a lot farther in terms of our imagination, whether it's through fan fiction or even just in terms of how we talk or think about a character. And so, yeah, that's like, that's fandom to a T, I feel like, you know? Yeah, that sounds about right. Whether whether we run a Tumblr blog or not, right? That's the, I feel like that's relatable. <laughs> yes, yes, it is. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so, yeah, um, so those are, like, the kind of broader discussions that, like, he talks about. But I also want to um, talk about, like, two particular characters that he kind of goes more in-depth with, um, just because they're pretty cool <laughs> as characters. First is um, Miguel Megohera as Spider-Man. Um, so, and I feel like this is relevant with the upcoming new Miles Morales movie, right? Um, yes, yes. Yeah. So, so with that in mind, I thought it would be good to just read the, the backdrop that um, Aldama gives. So, Meg O'Hara takes center stage in the launch of the hugely successful Marvel 2099 series, a series set in a parallel Earth that extrapolates, then reimagines in a future setting, contemporary political, religious, and economic issues. Uh, In the afterword to Spider-Man 2099, Peter Sanderson writes about how the comic aims to create a believable future Earth based to a great degree on the political and social trends and scientific developments of the real world in which we live. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so under Peter David and Rick Leonardi's skillful verbal and visual storytelling direction, we follow the compelling education of the senses of this Irish Latino Spidey, so another mixed race character. Um, at the top of his game intellectually, Miguel runs the genetics division of the megacorporation Alchemax in a dystopic year 2099 set in New York City. This is a haves, 1%, versus have-nots, 99%, Blade Runner-style future, Filled with flying vehicles, maglevs, teen cyberpunks, and a big brother surveillance systems known such as public eye, terrestrial, and drone vehicles. Miguel's oh, smart. Sick. Yeah, I know. It's a super cool setting. So I'm like, ah, oh, I really need to read these comics now. <laughs> Same, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Miguel's smarts put him in league, albeit tenuous, with the Anglo halves who live in the sky hot sky ri- wait, sky rises high above the racially mixed majority on the streets and in the slums. On one occasion, corporate paid lackeys, known as the Watchdog, remark on this part of the city, geez, this part of downtown stinks worse every day. They then quarter a sing- corner a single Asian mom, Miss Kwan, demanding back rent while pinning her to the street in an attempt to rape her. At another end of the 21st century street, mystics proclaim the arrival of the, quote, Age of Heroes, when bygone superheroes like Thor, and not Jesus, will return to save the world. Thor will be coming, my friends. The time has come for you to repent, most assuredly. The hammer will be falling, and it will crush the unworthy. Down with Alchemax. Alchemax must fall. I just find that really funny. Like, imagine a street creature saying, like, Thor's gonna come. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) Uh, However, Miguel's place in the upper echelons of society soon comes to an end. His jealous co-worker, Aaron Delgado, sabotages Alchemax's gene alteration machine that causes Miguel's genes to mix with those of a spider. Um... So, quote, although, as Catherine Frank, I forget who Catherine Frank is, I think it's a, another author that Aldama quotes, um, although O'Hara has light skin and hair, the vis- visible markers of his spider powers distinguish him from, quote, normal society and cause difficulties for him that are easily read as metaphoric of racial and ethnic mi- minority status in the ways that this difference can be both alienating and empowering. O'Hara not only gains spider powers from his accident, but is irreparably physically marked as well. He turns his inhuman features into practical tools and weapons, retracting talons for scaling buildings, 
and webs grown from forearms for abducting, abducting bad guys. So he's like Spider Toby then? Sick. Um, yeah, no kidding, huh? <laughs> once Alchemax's CEO, Tyre Stone, gets wind of the success of the transcoding, he has various supervillains hunt for Miguel O'Hara as Spider-Man. While on the limb, Miguel encounters people and has experiences that begin to open his eyes to the real political and social problems of the world. Along the way, we also learn of his abusive, domine- domineering, mustachioed, macho father, who rules the home like a petty despot. In a flashback, Miguel recalls how he nearly punches the father after telling him, So I, he- I hear you're getting remarried, Dad. Going to make some other woman so crazy she checks out of reality. Oh. Up, yeah <laughs> the mom ends up committed to wellvale home and we learn from miguel's younger brother gabriel that they inherited the father's temple gabriel tells miguel look i know you're short-tempered me too when you're half mexican half irish you're not gonna be mr sweetness and light <laughs> i love that so much i just want to same. say <laughs> same uh with david's buildings roman plot uh buildings roman refers to um like a narrative that's about a focuses on like like a a character psychological and moral growth like childhood to adulthood kind of thing um with david's buildings roman plot and leonardi's leonardi's skilled use of panel layout and drawing to geometrize the story what unfolds is a dynamic and engaging story of miguel's coming into consciousness of the injustices of the world something he's largely been sheltered from I mean, put into a boarding school, Alchemex funded, for geniuses. Um, once recreated with the genetic skills of a spider, he becomes an outcast on the run from Alchemax's hunters and no longer a member of the 1%. His monstrous ontology, sprouting ta- talons and with spider-like white pupils, makes Miguel a pariah within his own community, too. Which also is interesting. <laughs> also, as an outcast, he dons a Spider-Man outfit he picks up for a Dia de los Muertos celebration in Mexico. Here, if likes wearing it in Mexico for the Day of the Dead festival is one thing, but this, however, that is made of UMS or UMF, a an unstable molecule fabric which resists being ripped by his talons and gives him the camouflage needed to hide his identity. As Spider-Man, he directs all of his will and skills to transform his world into a better place. Uh, at one point near the end of issue ten, he reflects, "All I ever wanted to do was be important. Working for Alchemex was doing the right thing, but I was important to all the wrong people. Being Spider-Man is the wrong thing." Law-wise, health-wise, but he's important to all the right people. The people I've been working so hard at ignoring. When I put on that costume, I start thinking and acting differently. Face it, Spider-Man is starting to take over when the mask goes on. So many things. That is it. That is that is a very complex and interesting character, right? And I want yeah. to know more about him. So I I'm going to carry on and read some comments about him after this. Honestly, um, honestly, no kidding. Yeah, where do we start? Yeah, so much. Um. So, so yeah, he's great, delightful, um, <laughs> yeah, and so, and I, so I'm, it just makes me more excited too for the, you know, Miles Morales movie about him, or not about him. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, um, the other character I want to talk, talk, touch on, like, super briefly is, um, uh, Anya Corazon as the older teen spider girl, so, um, I didn't, I hadn't really heard about her before. I feel like you've mentioned her to me at least once, Jen. Let me know if I'm wrong about that. Nope, I have. I have her comic. She's awesome. Yeah, I don't know if you want to talk about her a little bit in terms of your your experience with the character. Well, uh, the comic was written, like, I, I can't remember the exact year, but it's it's been a while. Like, I'm guessing, like, early 2000s or 1990s. Like, like that era, basically. So you can tell that the writers and artists, they they did their best, you know, and it's not like, say, blatantly racist or anything, but you can see where the problems lie, where they're trying their best to make a Latina character, Mm -hmm. but they're not Latinos, Latinx themselves. So, you know, A for effort, but I'm guessing uh, more uh, recent depictions of her are a little more accurate because they, you can tell they really try to, they like... They don't play up the stereotype of a hot-tempered Latino woman, but they kind of touch upon that a little too much. Mm-hmm. They do try to give her a good background story in a twist where it's just her and her father. You know, like, I forget what happened to her mother. It's kind of been a while. Mm-hmm. But the fact that a Latina family consists of just a father and a daughter compared to, say, like, the usual story where the father's the one that uh, abandons, like, the wife and kids, you know? Yeah. So it's a nice twist, and the fact that they have a really close relationship was that comic saving grace, honestly. 
Plus, she's just a cool person in general, you know, once you lay off the stereotypes. Yeah. So I, I would give it a read, you know, just to kind of smile a little at what was done uh, wrong. <laughs> but I know that they've definitely done better in the more recent stuff. Okay, well, that's good to know. Yeah, I mean, because he... I mean, Obama talks about some of the issues with her character, but, um, you know, also talks about, like, you know, how they've given her nuance and, like, have shown her to be, like, a kind of, like, a modern character in terms of, like, how she tweets her diary and stuff, um, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is fun. Um, so, quote, it also provides Tobin, who I think is the writer, an additional verbal device for immersing us readers into her interior states of mind, revealing to us her anxieties and insecurities. On another occasion, she tweets, I wonder if I sound tough. Does Captain America ever worry about his voice cracking? Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Toby chooses, or Tobin chooses to use this verbal shaping device to make public Spider-Girl's private reflections on her contemporary world, social, natural, and physical. And the expression of anxieties very much reflects those of teens who inhabit social margins, young women of color. And yeah, I think, I think that kind of like the, it kind of screams like imposter syndrome to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that that was interesting in terms of like the way that they built a character. But yeah, Aldama talks about like, you know, her name you know, and the backstory identifying her as Latina, but, like, the visuals describing her as light-skinned with Anglo features. Um, quote, certainly with our histories of being colonized, we are mestizo with some of us having lighter skin and more European features. However, we're also born with dark skin and more indigenous features. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Valid, you know. Valid. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. She does seem like an interesting character, and I, I'd be curious to learn learn more about her because, um, you know, um, Aldama just gives kind of a cursor overview of a lot of these characters. He really dives in deep with, with Miguel Hera, which I really appreciated because I loved everything. <laughs> yes. But, um, but yeah, but he also talks about, um, you know, characters in, like, say, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, which, all right, I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I feel like we just don't talk enough about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel fandom. We just don't. <laughs> it's like an un- we don't. It's a really an unsung hero, though. Like, <laughs> I just have a lot of feelings, okay, about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Like, I think um, it's not a perfect show, but it has a lot of greatness in it. Um, and it, that includes, in ter- you know, in terms of more diverse representation. Um, for Latinos, it doesn't come right away, and it definitely has some flaws as well. But, um, you know, uh, I'll touch on Robbie Reyes briefly because I won't go super into depth with him. But, like, most people kind of know him, uh, know Ghost Rider is played by, oh, my gosh, what's the name of that white guy? Nicolas Cage. Yes, thank you. It was escaping me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D., he's, um, you know, played by, um, and Robbie Reyes as Ghost Rider exists in the comics, but he's played by um, that version of the, you know, that version of the character versus, like, the, the Nicholas Cage guy. Um, so he's played by G- uh, Gabriel Luna on Ages of Shield, and I thought he was had an interesting backstory in terms of like you know growing up in East LA and having his brother who who was in a wheelchair and just um, you know him always trying to look out and take care for take care of his family. Um, so and they were actually going to give um, that character like a spinoff, like his own Ghost Rider TV series, um, and they didn't oh. end up going forward with it. I'm very sad about it, so I'm just acknowledging I'm that. I'm acknowledging that. <laughs> um, I can't go super into depth with Robbie Reyes because it's been a while since I've seen that um, season of Ages of Shield. Um, but I just remember him being a cool character, and I do think it was definitely a shame that they that he didn't end up getting his own show because I think it actually would have been quite good. But Anyway, putting that aside, I'm going to talk a little bit more about another character from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, and that would be Yo-Yo Rodriguez. Um, also, so so her she has an interesting history. Like, in the comics, she ha- she is Puerto Rican, um, and, like, her, but in, like, in the show, she's Colombian, and yet she's played by a Mexican actress. It's just interesting, the different layers <laughs> with that. I was like, oh, interesting. Um and yeah, you know, actually, it brings up a question for me. Like, how do you feel about like a uh, different, like I guess ethnicity playing a different ethnicity, but still being Latino? Like, I find that interesting. Like, why they made her Colombian instead of Puerto Rican, and why they have like a Mexican actress playing a Colombian character? Like, I'm just so interested in like like the subtle differences there. I feel like I don't feel like it's essential that like say a Mexican character is played by a Mexican actor necessarily, but what do you think about that sort of thing? I have mixed emotions, honestly. Like, on the one hand, I'm all for proper representation, you know, 
Mexican character, Mexican actor, Colombian actor, Colombian character, and so on. But a part of me, like, is just happy that we have Latinos playing Latinos. And yeah. I can't tell if it's because I've been spoiled at accepting, like, the bare minimum. But my thing is, in the end, I'm, I'm more like, okay, what can this actor do? Can this actor identify with this character and make them three-dimensional and make them make them the kind of person that we as the audience care about? Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'm very, like, angry if, like, they get, like, uh, if they mix up ethnicities a little bit. Mm-hmm. But other times I'm just like, hey, I like the actor as is. I'll take what I can get, you know? So very complicated emotions there, Bridge. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just wanted that. I just wanted to go on that brief tangent just because it's interesting the different translations of her Latino ness, you know. Yeah. Um, but, but anyway, so she becomes a pretty com- prominent character in like the latter half of Agents of Shield. Um, so she becomes like she's an Inhuman, um, and she, her power is super speed. But the caveat is that she can only go as far as she can, like within a heartbeat, and then she comes back to where she started. So. Um, oh, so that's why that's why Agent Matt gives her the the nickname Yo Yo, um, and she's known as in the comics. Yeah, so she always comes back to the starting place. But the interesting thing is, in the last season, um, she like finds herself unable to use her power. She had been gone. She had gone through some pretty traumatic things in the like you know all well in all the seasons, but particularly like most recently, like an alien kind of taking over her body and stuff. A lot of weird, a lot of weird, gross things <laughs> that happen on the show. But, um, but then like, you know, she realized like through unpacking some of that trauma that um, she also had like subconsciously um, limited her own power in terms of always going back to where she started, started because of a traumatic interest incident in her childhood um, with her uncle's death um, and something that, that happened that like caused her to kind of hold herself back and when she realized that that was what was going on that she was like holding herself back psychologically and but like peeling back those layers and really confronting like those that her trauma her traumatic memories and like really like acknowledging that and acknowledging her own experiences and her own pain helped her to open up the doors that she was able to just run wherever she wanted as far as she wanted so she never, she no longer ha- was like slingshotted back, basically. Like she expanded her powers. Like she was wasn't holding herself back anymore. And like oh, that's wow. so interesting, right? And like, um, you know, and when we are first introduced to her, right? She considers her power like a gift from God. She's using it to help, you know, fight corruption with like the Colombian police force and things like that. And there's stuff going on in terms of like her cousin being really close with him, and and but then he's he's killed and so she goes off on like a revenge side mission which um marvel did like a mini series called slingshot that centers around her like a mini web series yeah um i would recommend watching it it's it's no more than like 20 minutes total there's like six episodes they're each about like five minutes um Uh and it's a really fun glimpse into her character in terms of like her dry sense of humor like it opens with like her walking in another female character, Daisy Johnson, like really smacking the crap out of a, a punching bag. And she's like, does that bo- bag owe you money or something? And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like she, um, you know, there's the new director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And she like, you know, steals his ID info so that she can go and like run a facial recognition thing for this guy she's searching for, right? And her little smirk at the end as she walks away, you're just like, I love you. I'm in love with you. I love you. Um, just like, just her, she just like, has like some of that like street smart elements to her, right? Yeah. And is like very practical, very passionate, uh, but not like in the Latino stereotypical way, <laughs> but just like, <laughs> really holds strongly to, like, her values, right? And she has a chance to, like, you know... uh, Well, I don't want to spoil the miniseries. I think you should just watch it. But, like, basically, like, you know, she has the chance to do something, but, like, it would be for selfish reasons, and she decides, you know, well, you know what? Who am I? You know, or she has to figure out, like, what am I going to do? Who am I? What am I going to do with this? And, you know, and just, like, I don't know. I just feel like she has a very strong moral core, and I, I love that about her. 
And she also, you know, in the show has like a interracial romance with Agent Mac, who is a black man, um, played by Henry Simmons, who is a beautiful man. I know this because I've met him. I'm just going to shoot that out there. Anyway, he's amazing. Yeah, that's my flex. That's my Marvel flex. Um, <laughs> so but, you know, there's other fun. Like, I really love this miniseries and like um, in particular because it really brings her like Latinidad to the fr- to the forefront in terms of like, you know, um, even something as subtle as like the new director of shield coming in and speaking Spanish to her to try to be welcoming. And she's like, Oh my gosh. Fine. <laughs> and he's like, Oh, okay. I heard you're a quick learner. This is good. And I'm like, okay. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, you know, or like even in, in terms of like, um, you know, the Sokovia chords, right. She's like, she's going to sign the accords, but she has mixed feelings about it. She says, like, I thought America was all about freedom. When I use my powers, it should be my choice, you know. And so there's, and, you know, when it, they take her, like, eye scan, her thumbprint, there's really, you, I don't know, it just, like, it, like, the way she talks about her mixed feelings about it, and as it's happening, you really just feel, like, the secondary, like, the real world layers of, like, her as a Hispanic character, a Latino character, right? And you think about, like, the immigration system, and, like, tracking, and keeping lists of people, right? And yeah you know, and being regarded with, like, um, suspicion and, like, things like that. So it just, it really layer, it gives a new layer to, like, the Sokovia Accords in that way, right? Um, in terms of, like, how yeah. she, how she's perceiving the Accords and what it means to sign them and not getting to do necessarily what she wants to do, right? Of course, she just goes behind the director of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s back and does it anyway. Um, love yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, um. Yeah, it, but, you know, she, it's the, that the whole, like, complex conversation about agency, right? And, like, for her as a, um, you know, a Latina character, I just, I just feel like it comes more at the forefront in, in a different way, which I think is just so interesting, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm going to do another dig against Aldama, though, because <laughs> <laughs> he talks about, like, you know, her character in Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. and, like, talks about, like, Joss Whedon and his creative team. And I'm like, Joss Whedon. Oh, gosh. He had several other co-creators okay his brother jed and marissa tontaroan and it angers me that you erased a woman of color in that lineup i just want to say by only talking about joss whedon but (laughs) anyway that just felt like an oversight um no kidding (laughs) you know but he talks about this this mini series and like um all the different you know kinds of mini aspects of of latino-ness and how that manifests in this you know in this even in just this mini series which i think yeah is really really cool um and he talks a lot about Robbie Ray's as well which is yeah so but anyway um so her as a character I just I really loved her her character arc and I like that she became such a prominent part of the series um I think she's like a very fun character but also very nuanced and complex character I haven't even gone into this but at some point she gets her arm at some point she gets her arms cut off during a battle um but she gets like yeah so, and this happens in, in um, the comics, too, to her character, but she gets, like, cybernetic arms, right? Um, and, like, um, but, like, she, they're, like, kind of robotic-looking arms, you know, for a while. And then, like, in the last season, they cha- they switch it out for, like, quote, like, human-looking arms. And she talks about, like, how, you know, I, I want to, I would just want to use my original arms, you know? There's something about, like, her kind of saying, like, I don't want to erase this part of my identity, and um you know but like they're like i understand but like we're going back in time like into the 1940s and people are gonna like raise eyebrows at metal arms (laughs) and (laughs) but i I don't know it's an interesting like conversation about like disability too and just like the way that that's um represented and erased a lot in agents of shield which kind of bothers me but i like that like it we have that bit of dialogue of her like acknowledging like hey this is a part of who i am and i don't really want to lose that you know and like i'm not ashamed of it you know um and this is like very much a part of me you know um just as much as like her super speed is part of her right her inhumanness is a part of her and you know all those things i don't know so so basically all i'm trying to i'm just like going on and on about her <laughs> but i i will link uh her mini series in in the thread um so i don't i don't think you have to like watch agents of shield in order to appreciate it in fact it it might make you curious enough to watch agents of shield i don't know i'm gonna keep preaching that gospel until i die okay um, <laughs> oh another super small cute thing though too like agent colson 
um, gifts her a little shield emblem that belonged to Peggy Carter, which I just think is lovely and wonderful. Made me happy. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow, I couldn't even get through Lennox Heritage Month post without talking about Peggy Carter. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, um, I hope I hope me rambling though got you at least a little bit interested in her character and, and kind of looking more into her because she is a thing in the comics um, as well as as well as the TV show. So I think um, I think there is a lot of great aspects to her character that is worth talking about. Yeah, for sure. Put a light on all these characters, man. Look, do your homework, folks. Enjoy and love these people. You know, Get, exactly. give them a little love that they deserve. I, and I think one other thing, actually, I do want to touch on too, with like with Yo-Yo, is again, I love her prominence in in the show and her becoming, you know, like a, a main stage character. Um, I will say too, they brought around the same time uh, another Inhuman, Joey Gutierrez. I had to look up his name because it had been so long, but like he was written off after one season, um, and but he was also Latino and also was gay, and like just like the erasure of like a Latino gay character, it was like, oh, that's sad, you <laughs> know. Um, like, I love that we got, you know, Yo-Yo, but like, um, you know, it's just interesting that 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 character was that other character was sidelined. Right. And like Aldama talks a lot about that, too, in terms of like, you know, LGBTQ representation and intersection with like being Latino um, for characters, which I think is also, you know, worth talking about. We didn't go super in depth with with our with the particular characters we were talking about today. But, you know, I think it's worth acknowledging that as well. So, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, anything else you want to talk about uh, regarding any of the characters we sp- we talked about today? Uh, nope. Although it was funny to see the Matador character in that She-Hulk episode. Oh, just God. love that guy. Right. Love that guy. I think that that guy was just Spanish, right? This gets into the weird territory of like Hispanic and Latino. Where you're like, hmm, how do hmm. I unpack that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But otherwise, like, that's. All I got, mostly because that it's all we've been given. No, yeah. And, like, so I know I know, I kind of ripped up Aldama a little bit, but um, <laughs> I do, I, <laughs> I did, okay? He deserved to be poked phone at. Like, like, the amount of times the word geometrizing appears in this book is ridiculous. Um, oh, my but, gosh. <laughs> but, it, like, the Latinx superheroes in mainstream comics is a very thoughtful, um, you know, broad overview. Like, it, it doesn't go super in-depth with every single character. It's just, like, a, you know, a very, but a very great, like, bird's-eye view of, like, how Latinos manifest. Not only in Marvel, like, he goes into DC a lot, too, which, obviously, I didn't cover because we're a Marvel podcast. But, you know, that is a, you know, a big part of, you know, um... Latino identity in, in comics, of course. So, um, so it's a great, you know, look at like the archives of like Marvel and DC and how Latino-ness appears in all those, in all those comics. Um, and like, you know, going into like, um, he talks about like Echo, like Maya Lopez as well, you know, we love her. Yes. Um, and like, you know, a bunch of other characters. So I think it's a great introduction I would, yeah, I would call it overview slash introduction to, like, Latino heroes. If you want to learn more, I definitely recommend getting this book. Um, You know, it it might take a minute to get through the academic language, but, like, um, he includes a lot of the really great, cool visuals of, like, pages from the comics themselves, um, which help to break it up pretty nicely. And just the way that he, you know, really... um, pulls out the different layers of these characters is is very interesting so it's definitely worth a read um so be including informa- information about that in the sh- in our episode description um anything else we'll include in, in the episode description i will definitely definitely include that for for your edification for your learning and education <laughs> yes <laughs> we're nice like that we're we're nice like that exactly yeah no so it so it is a, it was a cool and interesting read and I love getting the opportunity to talk about these characters and to talk about it with you Jen as my fellow like we don't talk about like our Latinas a lot except through like this when we do our Heritage Month stuff but um, it's really great to get to do this yeah for sure I'm glad we had the chance to do this thank you all so much for listening and educating yourselves with us. Thank you all so much. This has been such a fun podcast and I can't wait to talk more. Uh, next up, we'll talk about uh, the last episode of She-Hulk that's coming oh up real soon. Gosh, yep. Okay, I'm dying. We're fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Cries and curls up into a ball. <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, anyway, yeah, if you want to keep up with us, you know, just uh, follow us, tell your friends about the show, leave it, read us and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts uh, so other people can find us, tell your friends, all the things. Um, but thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate your support, particularly for these Heritage Month posts. Um, yes. You know, we don't always get a chance to do to do all of them, especially because there's a dearth of representation <laughs> in, for certain identities. Um, looking at you, Pride Month. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, <laughs> but uh, really happy that we we did get to to do it for this month and for this year. We also have last year's as well, which I can also link in our episode. Sorry, which I can also link in our episode description, uh, so you can ha- take a listen. We talk. I I know we talked about Miles a lot in that one. I forget what else we talked about. It's been a year, but um, we do dive into more creators and characters in in that episode as well. So that's evergreen, you know? So yeah, um, you can go back and listen to that as well. If you, if you did not get enough Latinidad from this episode, just saying, just saying, uh, but anyway, thank you all so much for listening and we will talk to you next time on nerd alert girls. Niñas. Niñas. Yes. Nerd alert. Niñas. Thank you all so much. (laughs) Bye. Adios. Adios.